0: Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, our dating lives were a mess. As some evidence of this, nationally representative surveys from the Pew Research Center found that about two-thirds of single American adults said that their dating lives weren't going well and three-quarters of them said that it was pretty hard to find someone to even date. Flash forward to today, and the outlook is even bleaker. More than 60% of men and women say that the pandemic has only made dating even more difficult, and just 3% say that it's gotten easier. And if you break the results down by age, younger adults say they're struggling more with dating than older adults. So, in short, dating has always been hard, but it seems to be harder than ever today. So let's talk about it. Today's episode is all about why modern dating is often a challenge and what we can do to make it easier. I am joined by Dr. Tara, an associate professor of relational and sexual communication at California State University Fullerton. She is also a sex and relationship coach and host of Love Bites by Dr. Tara. This is going to be an amazing and very practical conversation. So stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. Looking to become a certified sex educator, counselor, or therapist? Check out the Modern Sex Therapy Institutes. MSTi offers certifications in sex therapy, LGBTQIA affirmative therapy, alternative relationships, and more, as well as a PhD program in clinical sexology. All programs can be completed 100% online and are flexible and customizable to meet the needs and schedules of even the busiest participants. You can take live courses the third weekend of each month and choose from over 300 archived workshops taught by renowned experts in the field. For more information, visit modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. That's modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. Enhance your sexual performance with FirmTech. Check out their tech ring, which is designed to give you harder, longer-lasting erections while also tracking your erectile fitness. Wear it at night to monitor nocturnal erections and cardiovascular health, or wear it during lovemaking for a boost in the bedroom. Unlike other erection rings, FirmTech is easy to put on, adjustable to your comfort, and it can go on whether you're hard or soft. To learn more, check the show notes or visit myfirmtech.com and be sure to use my exclusive discount code, Justin20, to save 20% off your purchase. Again, that's myfirmtech.com. Hi Tara, and welcome to the Sex and Psychology podcast. I'd like to begin our conversation first by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the world of researching and teaching about sex and relationships. So, what is it that drew you to this area?
1: I'm originally from Thailand and I came to the U.S. for graduate school and it was in human communication. And specifically interpersonal and relational communication. But when I started studying the realm of like relational communication, I learned that a lot of long-term couples have this one issue. Um, And it's typically surrounding sex and sexual desire and like sexual satisfaction. So for me, I was like, hmm, I kind of want to be a part of the group of people that look for solutions of a big problem. So I kind of started researching and reading and studying that topic, which is sexual satisfaction, Personally, I grew up in a family where my parents were together and they are, they are together and a good partnership, but I have almost never observed passion in their relationship. And growing up, like in, you know, in my 20s, I dated a ton of people. I had my like whole face and I loved it and I still love it. Um, but I I've dated a lot of people and I I I love dating. I like personally enjoy dating, but I also see how after a few years of being with someone, I tend to like lose interest. And I I was always wondering if this is happening to a lot of people and It turns out, right? And I mean, you're very well-versed in this research. It turns out, yes, it happens to everybody and even faster for women. So that's kind of like the culmination of like why I'm interested in this topic. And after I became an associate professor at Cal State Fullerton, I'm like, okay, I have tenure. I'm going to start my practice. So I started like the coaching business and help people with like dating and communicating about sex mainly.
0: Thank you for sharing your story. And it is really important work that you're doing because so many people struggle with sex and dating and relationships. It's not something we're usually taught how to do. And we often have to learn all of this on our own. So having folks like you in the field who can help to hold our hand and walk us through it is a really important thing. So let's talk about dating. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is a unique moment in time to be on the dating market. Public opinion polls show that people think dating is harder than ever because of the pandemic, and anecdotally, I've heard the same thing from my friends and other people I've spoken to, some of whom have said it seems like people have actually forgotten how to date. So, let's start there. How has COVID changed dating for the worse, in your view?
1: So a lot of people turn into online dating and the uh, dating apps saw increase in numbers during those times. But the funny thing is all these people get on dating apps and you know they start chatting and they start talking about stuff but then they don't ever meet in real life. And that's the issue that majority of my clients have. It's like, it doesn't seem like anyone here is dating to meet in real life. Like they're just on there to like check their popularity and talk about stuff. And they're not like scheduling properly dates. So I think that's the the first issue I'm seeing is people not having perhaps the confidence and self-knowledge and certainty, like enough to schedule dates with another person in real life. And then number two, I feel this general sense of anxiety when it comes to dating and being in a relationship. I'm seeing now because, you know, as a college professor, I meet, you know, these students, they're, they're 20, 21, 22. And half of them don't want to be in a relationship because they have observed multiple divorces and and they, they're they just kind of burned. They're like, eh, I don't know if that's something I want. And then the other half is like, I want to be in a committed relationship where there's no like agility, like they're, they're like. They must love me. I must be the first person they have sex with. We must be the first people we have sex with each other. And like, this is a sacred bond. I'm also teaching in Orange County. So there's a split of this. And then these people then now are on dating apps. And then there is mismatch in goals. There is mismatch in the ability to explore different things when they go on dates. So I think this general sense of anxiety, the lack of confidence, all contribute to dating being really hard. And I mean, lastly, like communication, when you're texting people, right? Do you feel like texting is easy or face-to-face is easier?
0: For me personally, it it depends on the person, right? Yeah. I know some people that can only communicate through text, but I hate communicating with certain people through text because every line is a separate text message. And that's like my biggest pet peeve. Just send one damn message with everything in it. Don't send me a bajillion messages to just Say this one thing, but
1: get your thoughts out in one message. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I I ask my students and my clients and my friends who are uh, in la- their late twenties and early thirties. Most of them prefer texting. I did a study based on uh, like three thousand Gen Zs, and uh, almost all of them prefer texting. But then we get so comfortable texting back and forth, multiple people, and we lose the, the face-to-face communication skill. And like you always say in your show, like communication is a skill you have to continuously practice. And I think that all the daters that are on dating apps get super good and comfortable with texting and then not so good communicating face-to-face.
0: And I think I agree with everything you said. There's a lot of truth to this idea that once you sort of retreat to texting as your primary mode of communication, that might actually make the in-person communication more challenging because you're out of practice. But also when you're communicating online, you have total control over what you say, right? You can carefully choose every single word. Now, certainly there can be ambiguity and people misread text messages, but, you know, part of it is you've got this great control over that environment and, you know, sort of when you do it and you don't have to respond to a text message right away. And that was kind of going to lead into my next question, which was about, you know, the struggle that people are having with dating right now isn't new. You know, this predated the pandemic. And I think a big part of the reason for that is because dating has simply changed so much in recent years so for example i'm thinking about my parents who have been married for 45 years at this point and in their day the only way to get a date was if a friend or family member set you up with somebody or if you went out of your way to approach someone so in the case of my parents my dad approached my mom and said you wouldn't want to dance, would you? And she <laughs> said, yes. Uh, you know, great pickup line, dad. But within a couple of weeks, they had met each other's families and within five months of meeting, they got married. So I think another difference is that dating used to progress to commitment and marriage really quickly versus now dating this courtship process is much longer. It doesn't necessarily have marriage as the end goal, right? So it's a different world in a lot of ways. And then you add the online component and then that just drastically changes things further, right? It increases the size of your dating pool and also just the way you interact with people. You know, I'm thinking about how if you approach somebody in person, there's kind of this obligation that you're going to get a response, right? If you ask them something or express your interest. But when you do this online, there isn't that obligation of reciprocity. Sometimes people just never respond at all. So I'm curious if you have any other thoughts on sort of how this rapid transition to online dating, which was only accelerated by COVID, has just made dating even more challenging. 100%
1: and I love how you talked about like the macro like variables right of the times changing and now in dating there are so many variables like it you know first off like how do you like to communicate what are you into like what's your life's goal and then like in the future like are you going to be into ABC there's uh, multiple outcomes because no longer we're dating for marriage and children so like so many possible outcomes that you feel you have to align with this other person that you're trying to date like if your outcome was oh i want to get married in 3 years and their outcome is like oh no like i want to be in a polyamorous like non-committal relationship then like how can we move forward even if there's chemistry for me like that's first like chemistry is first so there's so many variables nowadays like when your parents were like you want to dance which is so cute by the way it's there's one goal right? Like, and it's a known societal thing. Like you date, you it goes well, you get married. Now there's so many goals and outcomes. Like, what do you want? Like a lot of people don't even know what they want. Let alone trying to date and ask other people what they want. Sometimes I have a client, they're like, oh, dating sucks. I've been on four dates this week and all these guys don't even know what they're doing with their life, what they want in a, a relationship. And so I ask her, well, what do you want? And she's like, well someone hot i'm like okay good start <laughs> let's 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 continue let's build a long list but back to where you said where you know there's people are now communicating dating online and majority of people are dating online right if we're comparing numbers way more people are dating online than meeting other people organically like face to face so when it comes to all of these things happening i think the main barrier too successful dating is decision fatigue decision fatigue on everything like that's why when i ask my clients and friends like so what do you want what do you want out of this what do you want to where do you want to go for a date like are you guys going to do dinner are you going to get get coffee are you going to a sex party like what are you doing there there's so many decisions to make versus just kind of cruising and do Whatever that's available, like you know, during your parents' time, maybe I'll take her out for ice cream in the neighborhood. Now there's just so many things to make a decision on, and I think this decision fatigue really has led people to feel very burnout from dating. I actually have a few friends that are like, "Oh, I'm no longer dating. I'm just gonna like do my life and you know keep go out to like coffee shops, Soul Cycle, and just see if I meet someone."
0: And you know, I've seen that as well amongst. Some of my friends and i totally agree with what you're saying about the decision fatigue you know there's so many decisions that go into something like online dating from what is the platform that you use what do you put in your profile who do you respond to if you get multiple messages from other people which ones do you reply to and then with an online communication you know that's different from in person where you don't have the luxury of being able to sit there and think through every word that's going to come out of your mouth and exactly what you say. So in the online dating environment, I think that often forces us to think more about what we're going to say as we type it, which, you know, in some ways, maybe that's a good thing if we're more thoughtful, but it can also be this more mentally taxing thing because it feels like more work. It's not as organic in a lot of ways.
1: Something that a lot of my clients say is dating is another full-time job. And it sucks, like it shouldn't be that way, but it is now that way, you know, like how do we then move from there is something that I've been pondering a lot. Some, how can we make dating fun and exciting and something you want to engage in for specific outcome that you now know for yourself?
0: So let's make dating great again,
1: right? <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay, this is this is some, a slogan that I can and stand behind.
0: Okay, so let's talk about how to do it. And I think a good starting place for this is to step back from the dating market for a moment and focus on yourself. So to date successfully, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, you need to know what it is that you want. And I know you do some coaching around this idea. So can you share some tips with us on how to get Dating clarity and to figure out what it is that you truly desire in a partner or partners.
1: I love it or partners. Yes, <laughs> um, I love that because when when you think about dating, like things are not always black and white, right? And I see a lot of uh, online like lists of like here's a list of characteristics, like just check the boxes of the things that you like. But sometimes you meet someone and there's this strong chemistry but oh, they don't check one of the boxes. Like they're not your resume boyfriend, like if you will, right? Like do you go with the chemistry or do you go with the list that you have created? So in terms of like knowing about what you want, I love using the three attraction types, pillars. So physical, social, and task. So then write out like top five Important things that you're looking for in a person under these three pillars. Number one, physical characteristics. What are the top five things that you find like extremely attractive, right? This is something that you want to manifest. You should know, like in retrospect, like in the past of your dating life, what were some of the characteristics that you look at and you just have this immense like attraction feeling towards? And then two is social, which is personality and like all of the social related. Characteristics that you like in a person? Do you like someone who is more, like slightly more introverted than you? Do you like someone who is like light in the room and is a social butterfly? Like, what is something that you find super attractive? Like, I always tell my clients, for me, like, I'm super extroverted. So it's hard for me to date someone super extroverted. So my partner is more introverted. And he can be social, but he's more introverted. And that's what I find attractive. So like, what about you? What do you find attractive, you know? And I'm curious, what do you find attractive, Justin?
0: So I used to be a fairly introverted person, but I've become more extroverted as I've gotten older. And so I think for me, somebody who's even a bit more extroverted than me tends to be Attractive, right? Because I like somebody who's going to push me to get out and do different things, right? I have a great need for new experiences and novelty in life. And so, you know, somebody who is open to that, you know, would be somebody that would be very high on the attractiveness list for me.
1: I love it. So the way you describe that is the exact way I want listeners to be able to describe their own list is what is it that you find very attractive? Like, who are you and what do you think is complementary to you and what you find extremely attractive when it comes to their social characteristics? And then lastly is task, which is like, other like logistical things if you will like the resume what kind of you know skills you need in this person do you like someone who's more like handyman and kind of rough and you know make like fix his own car or do you like someone who's more metrosexual someone who's you know wears uh, cologne and dresses like nicely and doesn't necessarily have the other skills but you know that's something you're attracted to or are you into someone who is in terms of uh like financial stability right is that like high on the list for you are you into like someone who is extremely wealthy or just about the same as you so that it's easy to dutch or you don't care at all as long as they have these other characteristics in the first and second pillars so i would say look up look at it in these three pillars like write out five different things for each pillar and that's a great start in terms of what are you looking for
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way to start going about getting some of this clarity. And another thing I would urge people to kind of consider in this process is where are the areas where you want similarity with another person and where do you want complementarity, right? Because there are some Research studies showing that we're attracted to people who are similar that, to us and other studies showing we're attracted to people who are, are opposites. But it's actually really the blend of similarity and complementarity that makes for the right fit. So you want similarity in those core values, but in terms of, you know, maybe some of the things you want to do, like if you really want to have new and different experiences, but you're a pretty introverted person, you know, finding somebody who can provide that balance to your life can be really important. So something you mentioned uh, in all of this was you said it's really important for you to feel those sparks to feel that passion early on and i think a lot of people approach dating this way thinking like i need to have that immediate chemistry but by the same token sometimes it takes chemistry a while to build you know a lot of people find that passion develops after they've been friends first for a while and by the same token sometimes when you feel that initial passion or chemistry with somebody. Maybe it's just lust and they're not actually a good partner for you, but you're just really sexually into them. So I'm just curious, how do you think people should approach this idea of chemistry? Like, do you think you have to have it immediately to make it work? Can it build over time? How do you know if it's real chemistry or just lust? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Ooh, love this question. (laughs) I used to date uh, resume boyfriends. So throughout my twenties, I've dated a bunch of guys uh, that I call resume boyfriends. Perfect on resume, I didn't have sexual chemistry with, but that's okay because you know I was a practical girl and <laughs> just want to see like whatever like life's goal do we align? You know, do you have a great job? Do you make a lot of money? So that was kind of like my thing first, and then I realized like if you never had sexual chemistry. I don't think you'll ever have sexual chemistry. And I know that that's controversial. <laughs> uh because there are people who are like, "Oh my god, you build sexual chemistry like later on in life." I just haven't seen a lot of that. I haven't. It's kind of like when people talk about, you know, things that you can't see, but you're like, "Oh, but I believe in it." And that's cool, right? So when I coach, I don't go by my own philosophy. So my personal belief is I have to have sexual chemistry with this person either from the get-go or early on, like third by third date, if there's no like sexual chemistry, if I'm like, if I'm not like, oh my God, I want to kiss him. I want to, or her, because bisexual. <laughs> but like, if I don't have that feeling, I, I don't think it's a good sign. And that's, that's for me. However, when I coach, I go a little bit more objective. What feels good for you? Do you feel good taking her on a fourth date now that you've taken her on three dates? You don't feel anything like bubbling. You don't have this like urge of like, oh, I'm just so attracted to her. Like I want to kiss her. I want to like have sex with her. If you don't have that feeling, how are you feeling in your body right now? Like, do you feel at ease about taking her out on a fourth date? Or do you feel like it's really kind of difficult? Like you have to push it out. Like I have to really like, oh, I guess I'll take her out. Then don't. Because you don't have this chemistry, it's not coming, right? But if they were like, yeah, I want I want to try. Like, I, I, you know, like, I want to try. I'm going to take her out. I'm like, yeah. If it feels easy for you to do, I want you to do it. So that's kind of how I coach. A little bit more objective than my personal belief.
0: Yeah, and I think that's so important in all of this is that everybody is a little bit different. And sometimes people need that intimate connection first in order to feel safe and kind of open themselves up to the overwhelming experience that passion can be. So it's ultimately about doing what is right for you. And, you know, if having that immediate spark is super important, then yeah, make that a priority. But if you want to give things some time to let a friendship develop first, that can be a viable pathway too.
1: When it comes to this, like, you know, this kind of two school of thoughts, like this philosophy of like, you have the passion, like you have this spark from the beginning or like you'll never have one or like you'd rarely have one in later if you didn't have it from the beginning versus like, oh, you have it later in, in the relationship, the relational development. Do you see a lot of that, like having it later in relational development? I'm, I'm truly curious.
0: So it can happen and it depends on sort of the context that we're talking about here so for example there's been an increasing amount of research looking at what we call friendship first initiation for relationships where you just kind of became friends first and then passion grew out of that now what's not clear to me from that research is if those people who became friends first were like interested in dating or if it was just like a friendship that they cultivated and then the passion just sort of naturally grew out of that as their emotional bond developed so we know that it can happen where that spark wasn't there but comes later, but it is more common, certainly it seems, for the spark to be there first and then for intimacy to develop and build after that. But yeah, it's different for everybody. So once you know what it is that you want, the next step is, of course, putting yourself out there, whether that's online or in person or some of both. So how do you kind of get yourself out there? Like, let's talk specifically about online dating. You know. How do you choose the right platform? And then how do you create the right profile that's going to attract people who are going to be a good match for you?
1: Oh, love it. Love it. This is so fun. (laughs) Uh, Number one, when it comes to your profile, make sure that all the photos are clear. I can't believe how many people are on dating apps with blurry photos, Justin. This is happening. Lots of guys actually are on it with blurry photos. I mean, if it's like, grinder and it's, if it's just like a picture of your ass, that's cool. But like, if you're on Hinge or Coffee Meets Bagel, I think the first thing to think about is make sure that you have at least three kinds of photos. Number one, clear photo with your face in it. Not with no sunglasses, just your face. It doesn't have to be like LinkedIn photo, but it should be clearly like representing you and who you are like at the current time. Don't use an old photo because when you use an old photo and you go on a FaceTime date, which happens a lot, by the way, like most people go on FaceTime date first before they go like in real life, they will know that you don't look like that. And that's a huge breach of trust. That's like the first, you know, huge strike. This person will never want to go on in real life date with you because they now see you on on FaceTime and they're like, oh, you're already lying. So use a photo that looks like you now and it's clear. Number one uh, type of photo is your face and your body. Number two is a photo of you doing some kind of uh, a, a passionate hobby. Like whatever your hobby is. If you love hiking, take snap a quick pic when you're hiking and use that, right? Whatever you like, your lifestyle, what you love to do. Like snap a pic, post it. And then number three, I would say a picture with friends because... Because friends say a lot about you, <laughs> and uh, I think as a woman, when I'm dating and I only see like, you know, six photos of just your face, it's kind of like, do you have friends? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's it's comforting. I think it's comforting for for women to see like pictures of friends and vice versa, right? Like vice versa. So. So I think these are the three kinds of photos that you should have on. And then on your bio, I would go uh, straight right into it. And this has been successful in my clients that I've worked with, is just state what you're looking for. Don't worry about being like a cool girl or a cool guy and like not coming off assertive and just like whatever, man. Like whatever man doesn't get whatever they want. <laughs> that whatever man ends up alone so you know whatever man isn't cool and I think being not being aggressive about what you want but just simply state like here's what I'm looking for and here are my hobbies and and, you know here's uh, some of the other things that I like here's my astrological sign like if you are into that right so be straightforward so for example uh, I have a client like that I work with regularly who got out of a monogamous relationship and is now looking to date a woman who's into being open or perhaps exploring poly right? So I say, just put that on your your profile. Because if you just go on dating apps and you take these girls out on a date, they're going to expect monogamous relationship. And then when you say at a date, like, oh, I'm actually looking for this, it feels almost like a slight betrayal. Because like, you didn't tell them at first. And now they're on this date with you. They invested time and put makeup on and all of this. So definitely be honest in your bio to like what you truly are looking for. Because I think like, I believe in ask and you shall receive. So. Just say it in your bio. And that would be the first setup step.
0: I think a lot of people, when they approach online dating, try to be a bit ambiguous in how they present themselves because they want to increase their pool of available options. They want to get more potential matches. But what that has the effect of doing is that you're going to get more people matching you who aren't really a good fit for you in the first place. So you kind of have to weigh that, you know, Are you here for the validation or are you really here to find a match? And being honest and knowing what it is that you want is super important in all of this.
1: Oh my God, Justin, preach. And yeah, that's why do you want like three extremely viable options or do you want 300 of whatever?
0: Give me the three viable options instead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And you'll find it so much more rewarding dating rather than decision fatigue.
0: So whether you meet online or in person, once you've identified somebody that you're interested in, you can either wait for them to make an approach or you can take on the role of initiator yourself. And there's a risk in playing the waiting game because the other person might assume that you're not interested or maybe they're interested in you But they're not going to approach you because they think you're out of their league, which is kind of like the worst case possible scenario because you're both into each other, but you're both too afraid to approach each other. And this happens so often. So if you want to approach someone, Tara, what are some good ways to start a conversation that don't feel high stress or high pressure for you or for the other person?
1: I would say my strategy is assertiveness. So if I was coaching someone and you know the listen the listeners of this podcast I'd say just say hi like you can start whether or not you think you should wait or you know just just go for it just go for it and you'll see what's up how you should start, you can totally do hi, smiley face. And I think an interesting question is always a great start to dating app chatting. Uh, I typically look at their profile and I go like, for example, if they have a picture of hiking, then I go like, hi, Justin, smiley face. What's your favorite hike in LA? And I mean, that's successful every time (laughs) in terms of reciprocity. Like, you know, like no one's going to, no one that's matched with you are not going to say what their favorite hike is because there's so much incentive. Like number one, people love talking about themselves. (laughs) Number two, you're asking questions already. So you're making it really easy. Number three, you have a smiley face. So you're interested. I'm interested. So I think, hi, the name, smiley face what's your favorite what whatever like based on their profile photos tend that tends to be their hobby is a very effective starter
0: i agree with you in terms of that approach because you're showing a that you've read their profile and you've taken an interest in them and then you're starting the conversation about them and you're right you know we do like to talk about these things that we're passionate about now that can be a helpful way to go with online dating but let's say you happen to meet somebody in person and you're like, oh, that person's really attractive. I would like to get to know them. That's a different story because you can't use the emojis. <laughs> so, and you don't have the <laughs> benefit of knowing like what is in their dating profile. So, when it's somebody that you meet in person, what are some good ways to kind of start that conversation if you don't just have that other knowledge about them?
1: I think the similar philosophy goes with like asking a question. Uh, And I know that a lot of guys follow like, you know, dating gurus online and they have these pickup things and I'm like, or borderline calling, And I always say like, those don't work. It's really creepy. Being authentic. uh, Of course, having a smiley face is always nice. And I think a question like compliment first and then where did you get that? Or like, what are you up to? Like, oh, I see you got a ton of Trader Joe's. Uh, what are you up to? Being a little observant and commenting on something and then asking a question is always um, gonna yield some type of positive response. Even if they're not interested in you romantically, they would still be friendly. Cause again, law of reciprocity, right? They would still be like, oh yeah, cooking dinner with my girlfriend tonight cool. Then you're off. Like then you're, oh, okay, cool. Right. But if they're interested, then they may say like, oh yeah, just, you know, hanging out with some friends tonight. Like, um, you know, like, do you like Trader Joe's? You know, like, so it allows for a conversation to go forward if they're interested, but if they do have someone and they're not interested, then I'm sure they'll mention it. And that's always a good start is a little comment and a little question. I, I think for women, like we love when we receive like certain compliments, like obviously not like love your butt, <laughs> but, but like nice dress, you know, always a good comment, not something too sexual, but something that shows you're observant and you're interested.
0: And I think, you know, everything you said is backed up by the research in that, you know, asking a question can be helpful. Just the simple higher hello can be kind of all you need to get started with that. And then if you can work in some type of compliment, make the other person feel good, that is going to increase the odds that they're going to be favorably predisposed to you. But if there is that fine line, you have to walk in providing compliments, whether that's online or in person, because... It's easy for certain compliments, especially if they're about specific bodily features and so forth, to come off as creepy. So you do have to be kind of careful in how you deliver these compliments and what it is that you're specifically complimenting. But, you know, it's, it's about creating that positive affect. And, you know, another way to go there could be with something funny, right? If you can make the other person laugh, that's another way to sort of instill that good mood and kind of get the conversation going. Now, part of successful dating is about having the right mindset. And unfortunately, if you're dating, you're going to encounter a lot of rejection, right? It's a simple fact. Not everyone that you're interested in is going to be interested in you. But some people take rejection really hard. And some people experience a lot more rejection than other people. And I know some folks who have just totally stepped off the dating scene because they got tired of dealing with this. So can you share with us some tips on how to hear no like a pro and kind of deal with rejection better or in a more healthy way when it comes to dating?
1: When it comes to rejection, and I had looked into, you know, just reading research in business communication and management, because there's, there's, definitely research in relational communication about like communicating a rejection and how to receive a rejection. But I think we can take some tips from business communication on how to receive rejection like a pro. And the first thing to think about is to work on your self-esteem. Because when you have high self-esteem, you believe in yourself. You believe in your worth. Therefore, this small rejection that's external to what you know about yourself is not going to be so detrimental on how you approach life, on your mood that day, on, right? Like it's going to be negative. Like obviously no one likes rejections, except if it turns you on, then maybe. (laughs) But uh, I think taking a page of the management book of like, make sure that your self-esteem and the certainty you have about yourself and what you bring to the table is so high that like, these things are okay because they're external to what you know. And I know it sounds like less practical, like just have high self-esteem. So here are some of the things that I love doing and I love telling people to do in terms of enhancing your self-esteem and maintaining high self-esteem. Number one, I find that research shows that when you continuously make small goals and achieve them you feel really good about yourself and your worth and your capabilities and this can be anything like I'm gonna start going to the gym once a week and and do that right? And these small goals and achieving these small goals will make you feel really good about yourself. And it can be about your like eating habits, your exercise, your going out, your, you know, grooming, like whatever it is, work related. And then number two, what I love to do is journaling and body love because as a woman, and you know, I know that men experience a lot of like body shame too, but I think historically like women and you know message in the media have always felt shitty about the way we look and we have to like change ourselves and enhance certain ways and wear spangs so that the tummy doesn't come out. Like you know, so me journaling like I love my body. I look sexy I am confident. Journaling has helped me a ton. I have now journal every single day for three years. And I can guarantee you that it, you will start to feel different and more positive about yourself and more confident in like a couple of months. And there's research in positive psychology that proves that positive affirmations and journaling do work, but you got to believe in it, right? So I love journaling. And then the last thing that I love doing is doing things for others. Because when you do things for others, uh, they obviously feel appreciative of what you do. And research showed that that helps enhance self-esteem as well, like being helpful, to others so these are the three things that i would say do to maintain the self-esteem the certainty about yourself and therefore the positive side effect is you don't feel so shitty when someone rejects you
0: thank you for sharing all of that now i know we could talk about dating probably for days but i have yeah. one more question for you about it which is can you share with us one quick tip that is a dating do and then one quick tip that is a dating don't.
1: When it comes to dating, the number one do is communicate authentically. Please, please do it because there's so much game when it comes to dating. There's so many books, there's so many, you know, podcasts and YouTube shows about like here are the games you should play. And I don't think any of that turns out well. I think it may be get you a date, but it won't turn out well because you're lying to them and you're lying to yourself. So communicate authentically about what you want, who you are, and where you see this going. That would be my number one do. The number one don't is to push and violate the other person's boundary. Because what I've seen is men tend to want to be like kind of sexually assertive and vulgar, like super early on. And I see a lot of women feel very turned off by that, even though they had good chemistry before, even though they had good conversations before. They'll be like, oh, like that's what he did like first date that made me feel like he just wanted to fuck me. So I think that, you know, be more observant about where they're at when you're on a date and try not to push uh, certain boundaries, don't, don't violate the boundaries that they have.
0: Yeah, I think that's all great advice. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Tara. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work?
1: This was so much fun, Justin. Thank you for having me. You can find me on my website, lovebites.co. That's L-U-V-B-I-T-E-S dot C-O. All my information's on my website.
0: Well, thank you again for your time, Tara. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at SexAndPsychology.com, or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.